2: Champion, Sean King on v the
3: Sports Betting Network.
4: Hour three of the nightcap here on v alongside... Not Super
3: Bowl champion,
4: even though maybe you won. You probably won a championship. You I won. was a
3: uh, sixth uh, grade uh, West Side uh, Deanery Spelling Bee champion. I was about Tim to Murray. say
4: Spelling Bee champion. I, I just <laughs> I had that feeling, Wes. Uh, Wes Riddle sitting in for Sean King tonight. I am Tim Murray. Uh, my beloved Mystics have dropped Game One in yes. a
3: thriller to the Seattle Storm, eighty-six to eighty-three. Game two, by the way, on Sunday, uh, Mystics uh, facing elimination. Best of three, by the way, in the first round of the WNBA play. I'll be locked in.
4: All right, let's uh, let's head out to the phones, and we'll bring in Max Meyer. Uh, I'm really enjoying uh, his tweets, his his content uh, as he's working for Caesar Sports at the Max Meyer on Twitter. Uh, Max, a, a lot of things to get to, including the MVP market. That's pretty fascinating. But let's start, of course, with the big news of the day, which is the suspension of Deshaun Watson, 11 games, a fine of $5 million. But most importantly for the betting side of things, it's that 11-game suspension and that middle part of the schedule there for the Browns. So what adjustments did uh, did Caesars make today uh, with the news coming out that it is an 11-game suspension for Watson?
2: Sure. And first, uh, guys, appreciate having me on. Uh, always glad to talk odds. Uh, so with Watson today... We moved Super Bowl odds from 25 to one to 35 to one. AFC 13 to one, 18 to one. Obviously, you know the increase of six to 11 uh, with that suspension, big deal. Uh, And I think definitely one of the keys is that with the original six-game suspension, uh, Watson was not missing any games against the Ravens or against the Bengals, and so those division odds uh, we originally had, or we had it at three to one earlier uh, before the news. Then we went all the way up to 450, and then we came back a little bit down at at, at plus 400. And I think there's definitely been uh, negative Brown sentiment at Caesars uh, throughout most of the offseason. I mean, the Ravens and the Bengals, uh, they've both gotten a lot of handle for AFC North futures. They're actually two of the top seven teams overall in terms of most money to win the division. Uh, Browns win total, we went from 9.5 with the under favorite at minus 130 to 8.5. Uh, under-favored at minus 150, so a little bit over a full win there. Uh, And then regarding Week 1, we already had the Panthers actually at minus 1. I mean, we opened Browns 4.5, but the Panthers, both on the spread and the money line, were were a pretty popular bet. I just think this was the, you know, sharps and betting public already, uh, you know, thinking that Watson was probably not going to play, so that uh, move wasn't too big. Uh, we did, though, uh, just because the fancy announced that Watson wasn't going to play against the Eagles. That spread moved from uh, Eagles minus two to minus three. Uh, and there we, uh, we actually saw some action today.
3: So, uh, Max, in terms of like the division odds and whatnot, was, a li- was it a little bit more of a move on air? Or did you all of a sudden see bettors just bet immediately on news and decide, OK, hey, we're going to go with the other teams in the division. So we're going to drift Cleveland up a little bit.
2: Yeah, so we, I, I, it's been interesting. I just feel like a, kind of a similar parallel maybe to the uh, NBA draft action that we were seeing where there were betters that were just basically not taking Jabari Smith, and they were either going um, Chet Holmgren or Powell Bancaro, but they were just basically going two out of the three. And we opened, I mean, the Browns, Ravens, and Bengals were all pretty, like they weren't too far apart. And betters were, a lot of betters. they were just really hammering the Bengals and Ravens and just leaving the Browns kind of out for dry. And, and the Browns actually, they've received less tickets and, and handle, uh, to win the North even compared to the Steelers. So I would say even, but like, definitely the, the news, you know, shifted the odds, but I, I would just say based off of the action, you know, we're, we're I mean, Caesars could definitely use the, the Browns winning, uh, the North just based off, you know, all the action on, on the Ravens and the Bengals so far.
4: Talking once again to Max Meyer uh, from Caesars Sports at the Max Meyer on Twitter. Uh, Max, you tweeted this out earlier today, uh, switching gears but staying with the quarterback position. Um, you know, the San Francisco 49ers are a team that I actually have a two to one future on them to win the division. I don't know if I'm as bullish as some betters, though. Uh, a lot of people, at least a, <laughs> at Caesars, are throwing some cash over the counter on the youngster Trey Lance to win MVP
2: yeah and I, I mean he he's been the most popular MVP bet by both tickets and handle in August and we moved them uh down from 50 to one to 40 to one uh August 8th and actually uh, a few hours ago today we even moved him down to 30 to one and sure enough the first NFL MVP bet we took was on Lance at 30 to one so the action really hasn't been slowing down, and I, the craziest um, nugget that I uncovered while looking at all the MVP data is that Lance has actually gotten more money to win uh, NFL MVP this month at Caesars uh, versus every single other NFC quarterback combined.
3: Yeah, I'm looking on your timeline, Max, in terms of Trey Lance's season-long rushing yardage prop, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, 475.5 to 625.5 wow. for Trey Lance. So, betters loving him all around. And uh, one more awards market movement that we saw over the week, uh, Max, based on what we saw on the weekend in Pittsburgh, George Pickens all of a sudden getting uh, getting a lot of buzz for uh, Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year. So uh, I saw a lot of tweets from uh, people in Pittsburgh saying, Juju who?
2: Yeah, and I mean, Pickens, it, it, especially this Offensive Rookie of the Year market is so wide open. The fact that there wasn't any uh, perceived franchise uh, quarterback taken. And yet, you know, we, we had Drake London open as the 5-1 to one favorite and Pickett 7-1, to one, and we don't even know how many games if Pickett's going to start at all this season. And so a bunch of these long-shot wideouts, uh, Pickens was definitely one, uh, Christian Watson and, and Romeo Dubs, I mean, mm-hmm. and Guy Moore, and even Jalen Tolbert, like all of those guys, they're, they're in the top six in handle. Um, and, and Pickett's the one exception, but that's mostly because we took a $5,000 bet on him. Uh, pretty early on in the process. But, yeah, Pickens, you know, he's been a superstar at uh, Steelers training camp in the first preseason game. He balled out, and he was uh, 14th in tickets. And he's moved all the way up to third, only behind uh, Chris Olave and, uh, and Romeo Depp. So, no, definitely a lot of Pickens' hype, and his odds are down to 12-1. to 1. Uh, But it, it, it's crazy to see just how wide open this market is, just odds-wise, and, and how the action has been spread across the board in this market.
4: Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, it, it's wild to see the movement, and we actually have a a chart we're going to get to on the next segment uh, about you know the 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 variance uh, in that market and, and different odds that are out there. We're talking to Max Meyer from Caesars Sports. You know, we were talking some AFC South earlier in the show, Max, and a, a lot of people, including myself and Wes, uh, riding the Colts train. We've seen the move, the, the odds shift significantly during the offseason, and with that. The Titans have been kind of the team uh to fade. So what kind of uh what kind of money has been coming in on the reigning number one seed in the AFC?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, you guys are definitely in line uh with most Caesar sportsbook betters uh, in terms of AFC South. So the Colts have actually gotten a little over seventy three percent of the handle. For AFC South futures, and that's by far the most lopsided uh, action among any division future at Caesars. But the Titans, uh, they their their under is actually now uh, th- th- it ranks in the top three for most lopsided unders among all NFL win totals. Uh, they have received the most money to miss the playoffs among all teams, uh, and the Browns are actually second in that. That was that was one I, I guess I forgot to mention in, in the Watson question earlier. Uh, but yeah, no, a, a lot of people are down on the Titans. Uh, and I, I, I whether it's, you know, trading away AJ Brown, whether, you know, I, 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 there were a lot of people that thought that the Titans were one of the weaker one seeds in recent memory last season. So maybe some regression there and, you know, the Colts, Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan, it might not sound like a huge upgrade on the surface, but Wentz, uh, you know, who, who knows what, how much he has left. And Ryan, I think just gives them more stability at a position, even though the Colts, I mean, the quarterback's been revolving, uh, musical chairs pretty much over the past few seasons. But yeah, no, uh, sports, but is overall very down on the Titans. And I, I, I can't really fault them.
3: Max got about 90 seconds left, but I want to turn to the other South division, that being the NFC South. And, uh, you know, you're not really seeing it in the win total in terms of New Orleans getting bet to the over. It's pretty much been eight and a half all summer long, but you guys at Caesars are seeing them take a chance on the Saints to win the NFC South, and uh, we're trying to anticipate when Tom Brady is coming back. Uh, Todd Bowles did not have a definite date when he was asked earlier today.
2: Yeah, Saints action, I, just because, you know, Caesars is, is prominent in Louisiana. We're always going to sure. get uh, pro bets uh, Saints from uh, New Orleans fans, but it's also, it, it's been really that positive sentiment that's carried across all states. But yeah, Saints, uh, they're number one in tickets in the South uh, at over 65%. Uh, they've gotten most of the handle. They've actually gotten more uh, handle to win the South than the Bucs Falcons, and Panthers combined. And for win total, uh, even though it, it hasn't budged, uh, they've been getting, their over has been getting over 90% of the tickets and 90% of the handle. So one of the more popular win total over bets as well.
4: He is Max Meyer. Check him out on Twitter. Really good stuff coming out from that Twitter feed at the Max Meyer from Caesar Sports. Max, we really appreciate it.
2: No, thanks, guys. And uh yeah, just can't wait for football season just three weeks away.
4: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh and another little nugget that he pointed out mm-hmm. fading of the Titans. We mentioned Traylon Burks and Paul Kuharski coming on saying he felt like he's gonna be more of a, right. a rotational guy. How about this move in the player prop season market? Traylon Burks has gone from 805
3: and a half west to 725. Yeah, it doesn't take much. Just, you know, one or two tweets out there that hey, he's coming along slow and instantly you got to go bet it. All information based. He's not a guy that's expected to figure, at least
4: as of now, in the offensive rookie of the year market. A lot of a lot of buzz on a lot of different players. We'll take a look at some varying odds next.
0: send
3: the Sports Betty Network.
0: If you dare.
4: If you're looking for more sports betting discussion around your local team, Bet Rivers has you covered. Bet Rivers has launched a series of caps designed to tackle sports betting from. The Local Perspective, there are CityCasts in Chicago, Denver, Detroit, L.A., New York, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington, D.C. Subscribe to your local citycast wherever you get your podcasts alongside Wes Reynolds. I am Tim Murray. You know, it's funny, Wes, uh, coming into the show tonight, uh, producer Aaron Oster, him and I are big uh, big Nats fans, mm-hmm. obviously has been uh, not an ideal season uh, for the Washington Nationals.
3: Um I did play the under, so I'm feeling okay there. But Hugh Darvish, by the way, still in the game in the eighth inning here, 89 pitches. Aaron
4: mentioned this, and it's such a good point. Uh, at DraftKings tonight, it closed plus 350, the Nats' dogs. And I, I've kind of come, and, and Aaron and I have talked about this on the show or uh, off air, it's almost like out of principle. You see a baseball team that mm-hmm. big of a – it was like when the Nats traded away everybody. Who were they playing that night, Aaron? When they won, they were, they, they might've, it might've, I, they, they did take one in
3: Chavez Ravine. They neither. they
4: beat somebody the night of all the trades. It might've been the Dodgers. It was like four to one on the mm-hmm. money line.
3: Mm-hmm. It's baseball,
4: man. I mean, yeah, anything can happen to so the Padres and Nats yeah. right now. Title now one.
3: I wonder what Dennis Eckersley, who does the games for Nesson for the Red Sox, what he, he said about the pirates lineup, which was absolutely true. What did he say? A, uh, Something of uh of nothingness, or I, I'm try—I forgot the word, or anyway, Didn't but you say it, it was—it's a disgrace or something. Yeah, like Yeah, but but yeah, that got some heat for it, even though I don't think he was wrong necessarily about that Pirates lineup. What would you say about the Nats lineup? I wonder. <sighs> yeah, I mean, when you're terrible, when you have a terrible farm system,
4: and mm-hmm. you suck with Juan Soto and Josh Bell, I actually applaud the trade we talked about on the show. Yes, uh, long term, I think it's a good trade. Hopefully, it works out uh, for the Nats, but a one-to-one game. Uh, my uh, my future that I played the day of the trade at twenty two to one on the Padres mm-hmm.
3: yeah it doesn't look so great a hodgepodge of nothingness is what Dennis Eckersley <laughs> referred to that <laughs> Pirates lineup as. Um,
4: I, I do want to get to uh, get to a uh, the offensive rookie of the year here, but real quickly you could follow Wes on Twitter at Wes Reynolds one you can follow me at one Tim Murray. You just tweeted this out. Because Aaron brought it up. Aaron, mm-hmm. Aaron's a Bucks fan. Yes, uh, as is my co-host, who played for the Bucks. And apparently, there's a rumor out there on Reddit, it, which mm-hmm. is complete, just utter like shot at the dart. But hey, but it makes sense hey, when you
3: think about it.
4: But hey, uh, we thought Manti Te'o's girlfriend was real. Uh, <laughs> you know. By the way, I watched the whole Netflix documentary. I, I, I have to I have to uh, go ahead and watch that. Uh, but you said, I'm starting to buy the theory that Tom Brady is out in L.A. shooting The Masked Singer. And then Max Meyer, who we just had on from Caesar Sports, he goes, went down a Brady Reddit rabbit hole before I came on the show and saw that theory. I am in. So what? what is it that apparently Masked Singer, the show... On Fox,
3: yeah. Nick Cannon, by the way, is the host, and then the judges uh, are—I think it's uh, Nicole Scherzinger, Jenny McCarthy, Wahlberg, uh, Robin Thicke, and also Dr. Ken John (laughs) are the judges of this program. (laughs) And look, they shoot it obviously in advance. They're not shooting it live. That's how it got uh, leaked out that a uh, former mayor of New York City was on that program last season. And uh, one of the judges, uh, Dr. Ken, uh, left the stage, wanted no part of it. So this is shot in advance because I'm guessing the show is returning late September pretty much is like when the fall lineup starts. So it makes sense that he would be shooting this, you know, however it's probably, I'm guessing like maybe less than a week shoot to shoot all of these episodes together. Yeah. They're probably going to shoot three or four shows a day. So it's probably done in like a three or four day span. So it does kind of make sense because Tom Brady, we know that's where he is heading. Yeah, He is going to be the number one analyst, I believe, with Kevin Burkhardt. I think Kevin Burkhardt moves up because, uh, of course, uh, Joe Buck and uh, Troy Aikman uh, moving on to Monday Night Football with ESPN. So, you know, makes sense that he's going to be the analyst there. He's already signed the deal, you know, even after he announced that he was coming back. So, you know, hey, you're part of the Fox family now. You got to do a little bit of cross promotion, right? Yeah. So
4: I hope it's true.
3: Yes. I hope it's true. What With, did Todd Bowles say today? Basically he's like, I don't know when he's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. Know. And but because this well, was, how, by the way, a pre-planned absence. This wasn't like, okay, him and Giselle got sideways, so he's got a bolt for 10 days.
4: Let this be true. Please let this be true that he is indeed filming the mass singer. Mm-hmm. That would be fantastic. All right, from the mass singer to the offensive rookie of the year market. I was trying to think of a cute, you know, uh transition like yeah, we're when you're, when you're
3: picking offensive rookie of the year, you yeah. might as well be. Who's under the mask, though? Because we don't have a for sure favorite here necessarily in rookie of the year. I feel like we're talking about this market every day, but I I, I can't get
4: enough of it. First off, I love the NFL draft. I love college football. So it's kind of where it all kind of comes together. Mm-hmm. But this year, it's anybody's guess. And the movements have been wild. We just talked to Max Meyer. We mentioned his tweet yesterday about Caesar Sports, which was August 1st, George Pickens was 80 to 1, or excuse me, 50 to 1, and he's now the betting favorite at plus. Yeah. Uh, he was plus 850. Yeah, I'm seeing 850 right now at BetMGM. So look at this market, or look at this comparison chart. And, and for those of you listening, wherever you may be on, you know, uh, listening to VSIN on the VSIN app or one of our fine affiliates across the country, uh, I'll, I'll point them out. But the one that jumps at me is the, is the top part. Brees Hall with the Jets, second round pick. Mm hmm. He is the betting favorite at DraftKings at plus eight fifty. He is the betting favorite, I believe, or maybe he's the second shortest odds at BetMGM, depending uh, what they are right now. But here at Circa, he is twenty two to one, and he was plus eight fifty. Yeah, I know Aaron was uh, was was tweeting about that earlier today. Plus eight fifty. What a week ago, Aaron? Five days ago, earlier this week, Monday, he was plus eight fifty. Well, so, Brees Hall, man.
3: That's a wild turn. Well, and of that and that makes a little bit of sense because look, uh, certain books obviously will take sharper action than others, or certain books maybe stay on top of their futures markets a little bit more, or their awards or prop markets, because it's a little bit harder, you know, to copy, you know, because sometimes books see movement somewhere else at a sharp book, it's like, okay, we better get moving before we're hitting. These guys are watching the screen all day long. So it's a lot harder necessarily. To copy, you know, moves in other books or whatever in the awards market than it is when you're looking at the screen like a side or total on a point spread, which, you know, we're going to see, obviously, throughout the season, especially the regular season starting in three weeks. So that's why I think you see certain variances. And then, you know, maybe a book is going to have a liability. Not everybody has the same liability, by the way, on futures market, unless it's the Buffalo Bills, where every bookmaker I've talked to is (laughs) like, yeah, we're getting Bill's Super Bowl futures like all the time.
4: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I mean, what could go wrong in Buffalo? I mean, they've never had any bad luck Mm -hmm. in the postseason.
3: Actually, that is one of the giveaway prizes this week, by the way. It is Westgate Super Contest weekend, so Uh they have the golf outing. And the guy that used to emcee the awards like afterwards, uh, the late Brian Blessing, rest in peace, like a great man, by the way, I hope, uh, you know. He's been on the air here in B C sure. several times. So a great guy. In his honor, they are giving away a Buffalo Bills thousand dollar Super Bowl wager ticket. Nice. You know, kind of in his honor. Now the price isn't exactly great. I mean, it's not like you're getting twenty to one or something. I think it's probably six or seven to one, but that is one of the prizes this weekend.
4: Uh, I want to talk some uh, some college football because I made a couple bets today. Uh and I, I I thought I'd be done in the futures market and now I probably can I'm gonna I'm gonna fire on the eighty to one Cam rising. But I want to get to that on the bottom of the hour here. But uh, just to wrap up Offensive Rookie of the Year. So I, I did a, you know, we discussed it earlier this week. I took a shot in the dark on Brian Robinson Jr. I, I do think that this weekend is is pretty, pretty important for Antonio Gibson. This mm-hmm. week at camp uh, was, but that that's a complete blind mm-hmm. shot in the dark. I missed out on Romeo Dubs. I know our friend Femi Abebefei, he took a 100-to-1 shot on mm-hmm. him. Is there a Rookie of the Year... Uh, Longer shot? that that, that, that just intrigues you. It doesn't have to be a long shot, you know, whatever it may be. Or, or do you have a a, a thought process on how to attack well, the rookie? Of the when year I market?
3: was riding the AFC South, if you're going to go for a long shot, in the, or the NFC South rather, and this is a big long shot. And look, you usually don't think a fifth round pick Tyler is going to win this thing. It is Tyler yeah. Algier from BYU, who is with the Atlanta Falcons. And look, we don't expect the Falcons to be very good here, but Tyler fits what Arthur Smith wants to do a little bit more of a power running game. How much does he really want to use Cordell Patterson and have him be his leading rusher again, 618 yards. They bring in Damian Williams from Kansas city in free agency, but Algier is really the physical type of running back that Arthur Smith likes. And you got to think Mariota, he may be handing the ball off. I don't know how much they're going to use Mariota on like spread options or, you know, quarterback sweeps or whatever. So Tyler Algier could be very interesting because, look, Atlanta, not very deep at receiver. They do have Drake London, but he's already been hurt, at least in training camp. Kyle Pitts, you know, had 1026 yards, but only had one touchdown. So Tyler Algier at 66 to one was kind of interesting down the board.
4: I I agree. It's a name I've mentioned. Haven't bet it yet, but I think when you look at what they are, which is bad, Mm -hmm. and then why not? Yeah. Why not give him, give him a he shot? He certainly
3: fits the scheme of Arthur Smith. Obviously, he had success with big, bulky running backs there in Tennessee. I made a win total bet
4: today on a team on the AAC. Let's see if Wes Reynolds agrees with it. It's the nightcap here on Visa. Take the Visa experts with you anytime, anywhere with expect. That's That's VSIN.com. ncom
3: This is the Nightcap on v the Sports Betting Network.
4: Got ourselves a game out in San Diego. Wes Reynolds and the uh, Circus Sports and Stadium Swim signs are up. And uh, Derek Stevens, I'm sure, is somewhere... Hoping for a uh, Manny mm-hmm. Machado walk-off home run here tonight, mm-hmm. so those uh, those highlights will be
3: playing uh, left and right. But you, you Darvish, yeah. by the way, is still sorry to interrupt, no, no, go still for in it. the game, uh, you know. And and I think maybe they're going to try to keep him because that was the Padres' downfall last year was because they went to that bullpen way too early and way too often under Jace Tingler, Bob Melvin. But it looks like uh, maybe this could be it for you. He does have the first runner on one out here in the top of the ninth, but. You know the Padres. I think actually this is just going to be a conference. You know, hey, yeah. get a ground ball here, get a double play, and get out of this <laughs> inning. I think is what the pitching coach is saying. But you know, uh, the Padres. That's what you're concerned about. Maybe is how is their pitching staff because even without Fernando Tatis Jr., I think they're going to be able to hit. They're going to be able to score runs. Yeah, it's it, just it even should. though they're not doing it tonight, only one run here at uh, Petco Park, but. It's really the pitching that you're going to have to worry about that's going to hold up. You know, can these guys, can Musgrove hold up? Can Darvish hold up? I think Snell. Darvish can, can Blake Snell hold up? So that's what you're really looking at. Clevenger also the same for the Padres, but certainly Bob Melvin has done a much better job managing that staff than Jace Tingler. Uh, you, Darvish, tonight, eight in the third, four hits, one run, no walk, six
4: strikeouts. His only blemish, a home run uh, that uh, the. Uh, who was it? Uh, Vargas hit. Mm-hmm. And now uh, now they got men on uh, first you and
2: second. You might not
3: be able to make a complete game here uh, because he's got runners now, now on first and second. And now former Padre, who probably is the least happy
4: of anyone from mm-hmm. the trip deadline, oh my Luke goodness. Voigt oh my goodness. steps to the batter's box. It would be kind of sweet justice here if Luke Voigt, with his like seven buttons
3: down, uh, hits a home run. Here. And here comes Bob Melvin to take the ball from you, Darvish. So you, Darvish does go eight and a third, six strikeouts, very good outing, but now the bullpen's got to get him out of a jam.
4: Yeah, so we will see. It'll be Luke Voigt against uh, whoever comes in out of the pen here for the Padres in a 1-1 game, top of the ninth. Once again, uh, at DraftKings, the Washington Nationals closed as a plus 350 underdog it looks like Josh Hader's coming in. You know, I'll say this Josh Hader never had a bad experience against the Washington Nationals. Hader's gonna say it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> Still remember that day. What a day it was. NL wildcard game. Okay. While we wait, past couple of nights, Matt Newman's, of course, had to give me grief about this. I thought it was a team effort, but whatever. I'll give uh I'll concede that maybe I got talked into it a little bit, but the more I started to to dive into it. The more I liked the UCF over of eight and a half, and I played it today. Lowest juice I found was minus 140 here in town. That was at the Westgate Superbook. You, sir, wrote up the American Athletic Conference Mm -hmm. for the college football betting guy, which is available now uh, over at vsan.com slash subscribe. Uh, Phil Steele uh, has UCF as his favorite to win this conference. I just really like the schedule, right? Uh, You know, you look at how it starts. South Carolina State at home. Then you've got eight days to prepare for Louisville, while Louisville has a Saturday game against Syracuse, which I think is a sneaky, tricky spot. Mm -hmm. Short week to go down to the bounce house to take on UCF. Uh, You look at Cincinnati, goes to the bounce house. SMU goes to Orlando. They do not play Houston, so... Look, even if they lost to Louisville, they lost to Cincinnati, which as of right now, Wes, is the only team that they are currently projected to be an underdog to. Yeah. That's still ten and two. That's still some wiggle mm-hmm. room at over eight and a half. So I played over eight and a half on UCF. What was your breakdown yeah. in the uh, in the guide? And what do you think about UCF? Yeah,
3: I wrote year? up over eight and a half was my recommended win because of the aforementioned reasons you talk about with the schedule. Look, uh Dylan Gabriel, now gone. Uh, he is at Oklahoma. More of a pure pocket passer. Not that he didn't have mobility, but we know what Gus Malzahn likes to do. He likes a runner and a thrower. He likes to run a little spread option. So, uh, Mikey Keene was the guy that took over when Gabriel got hurt last year. Very respectable. Uh, 17 TDs, 6 interceptions, but... John Riss Plumley, if you remember that name from Ole Miss, who got moved to receiver by Lane Kiffin, may get a chance to play quarterback. I have not read to see who's going to win that job, but UCF can run the football. 198 yards a game. That was second in the conference. Bowser is back. The offensive line gets three stars. Also add Ryan Svoboda, who transfers in from UVA on the right side. Passing game's got to get a little bit better, but, uh, you know some transfers. Uh, Kobe Hudson could be a dangerous option at receiver. Was was with Gus at Auburn. Defense took a big step up last year with uh, Travis Williams. They were 53rd nationally. They've done very well in the transfer portal when you look at it. Uh, you know They bring in, uh, I think this guy's named Jason Johnson. He was an FCS All-American in mm. Eastern Illinois that they're kind of counting on to be an impact player. Uh, Kobe Perry, also an FCS American at Austin P to be on that defensive line. So, you know, when I look, Malzahn's got a lot of guys back. It's plug-and-play transfers. Uh, Chip Lindsay was his old offensive coordinator at Auburn. Of course, the former head coach at Troy. Look, they step out of conference in terms of uh, who they are going to face. They have South Carolina State. They have Louisville at home, like you said, eight days. They have Georgia Tech, who I think is going to be dreadful in the ACC. I and under I, three and a I, half I, I bet them. them under as well. I think, uh, you know, Jeff Collins this is going to be his last year at that Atlanta. That schedule is absolutely well. Brutal. You you look at that schedule and it's like the AD at Georgia Tech is trying to get this guy fired. They play, because, I mean, they play
4: Georgia of course, mm-hmm, which they always do. Mm-hmm. But they play Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. And Central Florida. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it's not their fault, but they open Monday night at home. Or, I guess, at the Mercedes-Benz Dome against Clemson. I mean, they'll be a favorite against, what, Duke and maybe
3: Virginia? but I think they have one, Western Carolina or somebody like that. They have an FCS. So, they're probably going to win two games. But, back to UCF. Of course, UCF, they do avoid Houston. They get Cincinnati for homecoming down there in Orlando. And, who is it? UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, are all going to be moving to the Big 12 next year. So, you know, these are guys that, you know, I'm sure all these teams that got left behind, like the Memphises and the East Carolinas, they really want to get them. But I don't disagree with you on UCF. Now, I ended up uh, predicting Houston to win this conference I did again. Too. And, and look, it's not that I'm necessarily in love with Houston, but their schedule, once again, because look, I had them on the overseas and wins as well last year. I thought it was toast and that's a, a rule for a better. Just because you lose a game doesn't mean it's toast. But they lost the season opener at well, Texas. Well, I watched them against Texas Tech, and that second half was one of the worst coach second halves I've ever seen by Dana Holgerson. <laughs> and I was like, man, he doesn't know what he's doing with this team. But then, you know, the schedule kind of evened out for these guys, and then all of a sudden they won like ten in a row. And you look at this schedule this year. At UTSA, could be a little tricky, tricky, tricky. because uh, that coach down there won a few state titles at Gilmer High School, Jeff Trailer. So that could be tricky. They get at Texas Tech again. But then you look, Kansas, Rice, Tulane, three weeks in a row at home. At Memphis, who I still think is a little bit down. At Navy after a bye Off week. A bye. And look, Navy, Navy is best. And you know this very well following that program for as long as you have. They're down, man. They're they're best when they have like a veteran quarterback that's been a three-year startle, and there's no Keenan Reynolds on this roster. There's no Malcolm Perry. No, it, it's, not at all. It's unfortunate.
4: It, it's yeah. gonna be a it's gonna be a long
3: season. And then Annapolis. South Florida, they get Houston does, then they go to SMU. Now that might be kind of a coin flip because Rhett Lashley comes back to run that air raid there. Uh Sonny Dyke's now, of course, at TCU, but you get Temple. East Carolina, who I think might be sneaky improved. And then you get Tulsa. All right. One final thing on the AAC and then
4: uh, we'll, we'll wrap up. I got a, another thing to throw your way uh, because you wrote up the big 10 East too. Um, week one, East Carolina takes on NC state. Mm-hmm. This line has actually moved in favor of NC state, which isn't a surprise. Look, NC state is a, uh, is expected to be really good. Uh, you know, Devin Leary's back. I think they bring back 17 or 18 starters. I'll just say this, man. That place is going to be geeked up down mm-hmm. there in Greenville. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a noon Eastern kick. It's on national television. Uh, Holt Naylor's is back for like his 47th seven, uh, season there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I saw Paul Stone talk about, and you might have written it up too in the in the guide, East Carolina's... Well, 8 and 4 record last year was yeah. really aided on some easy wins. Mm-hmm. So I've gone the back The schedule's th- tougher this year. Yeah, I've gone back and forth. I just think with all this hype on NC State, mm-hmm. wouldn't it just be kind of I don't want to say classic but typical of a team that's getting this type of buzz to have a
3: scare in week now, 1. Now, granted, last year it was a more formidable opponent and it was a conference game, but I said with NC State, I, they got to be, you know, to be able to avoid the trap that North Carolina fell into. And North Carolina, now Mac Brown was talking up his team in the summers, like we're really good, and then they go and lose seventeen to ten to Virginia Tech. who was a mediocre Virginia Tech team yep. in week one that made a coaching. The offensive game. line yes. just got pulverized. Yeah, so so I, I got to think that Dave Doran is going to be a little bit you know, smarter than that and have these guys a little prepared. I wouldn't, I'm not necessarily recommending laying the 10 and a half because I sure wouldn't, it'd be yeah. East Carolina or pass for me just on the situation. But I got to think Dave Doran is not going to fall prey into what Mac Brown did last year. Josh Hader just came in, hit Luke Voigt, walked Nelson
4: Cruz. The Washington Nationals lead the San Diego Padres 2-1 to one in the top of the ninth inning. That's Wes Reynolds. I'm Tim Murray. We wrap things up on the other side. Next.
0: Speaking of Mac Brown, there he is up there.
4: The Veasan College Football Guide is out now, and our NFL guide drops next week. Our experts provide profiles of every team, with team trends, power ratings, and over/under. Recommendations Plus, best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Remember, the only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN All Access subscriber. Sign up on our discounted football special and get all access to everything we do from now to the Super Bowl for only $175 or save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and bet smarter all year long. Go to VEASAN.com slash Subscribe for all op- all your options and become part of the sports betting network. Wrapping things up here on the nightcap. We went to the bullpen. Fortunately, it's not Josh Hader. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is more of a Marion Rivera type, than, in my opinion. Wes Reynolds sitting in for Sean King tonight. Scott Seidenberg coming up
3: top of the hour. Um, Josh Hader, man. You Darvish has got some hater aid because Josh Hader, by the way, those runs get charged to you Darvish here. So, uh, yeah, 3-1, yeah, to one, uh, Josh Hader uh, unable to get really anything going. He does go two-thirds of an inning. The runs aren't charged to him, but has a hit, has a walk, I believe with the bases. Did he walk with the bases loaded? I believe walked he did. With the bases. That scored Hernandez, which was the leading run. Hit. So he came in with men on first and second,
4: hit Luke Voigt, walked Nelson Cruz, and then gave up a sack fly mm-hmm. with the bases
3: loaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is his first outing in – nine days how about the fact that you darvish as great as he pitched tonight is in position to take a loss here and what would be a bad loss for the Padres? well uh this uh
4: and uh I'll give credit to to Aaron on this one and credit by I mean you know I feel bad because I I, I should have bet it too here at circa Washington closed plus 320 dog at DraftKings plus 350 dog it was Annabelle Sanchez against you mm-hmm. Darvish obviously a massive mismatch these two teams going in different directions uh, they traded with each other, a massive trade, one of the biggest trades ever in midseason, yada, yada, yada. Nats are leading 3-1. to one. They've got their closer Kyle Finnegan in now to try to close it out. Back on August 2nd, the day of the trade deadline, the Nationals faced the Mets, who were pitching Jacob deGrom, and mm-hmm. they were once again a 3-1 to one underdog, yeah. plus
3: 300. What happened? The Nationals won 5-1. to one. So... Well and you're going to keep getting these big prices, especially when you get to September, when then all of a sudden you have some roster call-ups from the minors and whatnot, and you're going to be seeing these teams that want to get look at some of these guys, see if they can stick in the big leagues for the next year. So you're going to start to see, I don't want to say become commonplace, because there's still enough teams, I think, on the periphery of the wild card that most of the games on the board on a daily basis is going to be competitive. But yeah, you look this series tomorrow night. Blake Snell, uh, I believe minus three seventy is the Ooh. highest I see on the screen right now. So close to plus three dollars on Paulo Espino and the Washington Nationals. The Nationals uh, trying to close out a uh, a surprising
4: win over San Diego. This would be music to the ears of Brewers fans who mm-hmm. were able to uh, get a, a series split with the Dodgers yeah. today. A big win for them today with uh, Corbin Burns uh, on the hill. They won five to three uh, today. So you know, honestly. You know, for the Brewers, I won't say best-case scenario because obviously they would have loved a, a sweep or a 3-1, to but splitting four with the Dodgers, mm-hmm. knowing their schedule.
3: Now they play the Dodgers early next week, but after that, really lightens up. Because this is the time for the Padres to kind of maybe make up ground in yep. the wild card race, even though they would still be in the final spot because they, I believe in the month of August they only have two games against teams with winning records. And they're both against the Cleveland Guardians. So it's not like they're facing any world beaters this month because that first series, Labor Day weekend, they get a series with the Dodgers again. And so, we know how that last time went. You know, yeah, it didn't go well the last time. And that's why I was kind of thinking, you know what? Is this a by-low spot on the Padres? Because, like, you know, when they go low, I want to go high, or when they sit down, I want to stand up. So. But I kind of looked at the Padres and I was like, "Yeah, seven to one to win the NL pennant." I'd kind of like to see closer to ten to one, and then of course the Tatis news came out. Yeah, I, I have on the day of the trade deadline,
4: I took twenty-two to one here at Circa on them to win the World Series, plus ten seventy-five to win the pennant, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously those odds have gone down. But you know, they have not played all that well, so right. Uh, keeping an eye on this here, I, real quickly, I, I want to. Uh, close out with this. Um, by the way, if you're wondering, um, tonight's NFL preseason game was a massive sweat for the total, uh, but ultimately, the under does come home, so the uh, the overs are 14-4 and now yes. through the uh, preseason. But uh, news came out today, and you wrote up the Big Ten East for the college football betting guide, which includes Ohio State. I am incredibly high on Ohio State, as is many, um, as are many. Good English, Tim. Uh, I bet them over ten and a half at minus 175. I bet MGM about a month ago. Um, I bet them again today to win the division. You can actually hear in Vegas, uh, Boyd Sports, uh, if you come to Vegas, uh, allows you to parlay division winners. Right. So I parlayed uh, Alabama winning the SEC West with Ohio State winning the Big Ten East at minus 150. Uh, So that was a play that I made. But News came out today regarding Ohio State's opponent in Week 1, and that would, of course, be Notre Dame. Um, Marcus Freeman uh, said that Jarrett Patterson, preseason All-American, they're bumping him from center to guard, is sidelined for at least 10 days with a foot sprain, is questionable for the opener against Ohio State. Pete Sampson, who covers the team for The Athletic, said that a source indicated that it is unlikely for Jarrett Patterson to play in that opener. Look, Notre Dame needs every single advantage yes. possible in that game. And you would think, well, Tim, it's a guard. You know, how big of a deal is that? This is a captain, a guy that probably would have been a third round pick this year. Yeah, Bumps to guard to make this offensive line as, as good as possible. You know, two youngsters on the tackles, two very good guys, uh, good players. I, I just think, you know, from what you wrote up, I'm curious your thoughts what would be the point where you wouldn't lay it with Ohio State?
3: Is it already passed? You know, what is your expectations week 1? It's what, 15 and a half right now. I'm still seeing I think seeing. you could
4: say a 14 and a half, but anything I'll just say this. Anything under 17, I'd still lay I'd it. I'd lay it. Yeah, I think absolutely. Ohio State is going to
3: romp. Well, Notre and Day. when you talk about okay, Tim, what's a big deal? It's a guard. Well, a big deal is because Ohio State I think you're going to see a lot more stunting and a lot more pressure up front by Jim Knowles, so yep. who is now the defensive coordinator. Remember remember when he took over to that Oklahoma State defense a few years ago, how bad that freaking defense was for Mike Gundy and Stillwater? It seemed like they were in like 48, 45 games every single week. And now you're coming back, and you know Oklahoma State was a top 10 defense in the country. Ohio State was not a down defense because they don't have talent okay mm-hmm. that was not the case necessarily so you know when I would look at this I, I just think that you know new defense we know that the offense is going to be absolutely potent for Ohio State this year so yeah I just think you know this is t- it, this is a big moment really for Notre Dame to go on and I don't know if they're necessarily ready for that smoke so to speak uh, coming in here so uh new defensive coordinator of course Al golden yep. uh, takes over now uh, with Marcus Freeman being the head coach so, You know, anything seventeen or less, I think that that's still a definite lay. And then, uh, what's up, Derek? Look, this may get up to close to twenty. I think. What's happening? What's happening with the Padres? Derek Stevens, everyone has just poked his head in.
4: Hey, how you doing? Padres losing to my Nats. I need to get a screenshot of him just poking his head in there. No,
3: I like that they had the camera yeah. to kind of show him like looking we in.
4: Need, we need the Derek that that needs to be the uh isolated Derek cam because mm-hmm. every once in a while Derek will just pop his head in here. So uh man on first for the Padres, bottom nine, three to one, nationals leading uh, the Padres, and I'm sure Derek would love nothing more than uh, for a walk off victory here for the Padres with uh, with Circa Sports and Stadium Swim there in the background. So, yeah, I mean, let me just wrap it up with this: Ohio State, their odds have have shifted from I think we could have you could have got them as high as six, maybe five to one. Mm-hmm. Now it's down around three to one. Uh, Wes, from your breakdown of them in our our betting guide. Do you think this is a team that is capable of, of being able to take down Alabama?
3: Uh, I do, actually. I think that the defense is going to be improved, and their offense is just so dynamic. When you're talking about the fact that they still might have the best receiver in the history of the program, they lose two first-round picks, you know, t- two top 11 picks and Smith and Jigba, Makes the unit better because Marvin Harrison Jr. got pretty good genes. Number be,
4: two on Bruce Froman's freaks yeah, list, by yeah, the way. they're
3: going to they're going to be really good. I mean, the one game, if I'm looking at a game where it's like, okay, where do you think they're going to get a tougher game than you expect Penn or State. slip up, it is Penn State. On I think road. Penn State's going to be improved this year. I think uh, Mike Yersitch in his second year of Sean Clifford. If Clifford stays healthy, and that's really been the problem, but Penn State's got to be able to run the ball. They were not able to do it at all last year. All right. That's going to do it for our show. I'm going to go bet Cam Rising
4: 80-1 to 1 to win the Heisman Trophy. Thanks to Yogi Roth. Thanks to Adam the Bull. Thanks to Max Meyer. And uh, thanks, of course, to the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. What's his call? Touchdown? Touchdown I-N-D-Y. That's Wes Reynolds. I'm Tim Murray. Scott Seidenberg coming up next right here on VC.
0: Before you place your next bet, visit vcin.com for all the...